Hi, this is Dr. Mark Sistek, and this is Broken to Bless. We continue in episode five, our discussion on self-image. How do you evaluate yourself? We are constantly evaluating ourselves according to a variety of criteria. These are some of the more prevalent. The ideal self. We evaluate ourselves according to our own standards. These are standards we set for ourselves for who we think we should be or who we would like to be. The degree to which you expect a lot or only a little from yourself is largely a reflection of the standards you grew up with. Carried to an extreme degree, they can actually make you your own worst enemy. You can set up a list of shoulds and ought tos that no one could satisfy. That type of perfectionism can cause an unending cycle of never measuring up. Two, feedback from significant others. Another important ingredient in your evaluation of self-image is the feedback you get from the significant people in your life. As mentioned earlier, in your early years, that was mostly your parents. While parents continue to have a significant impact on your life, Well into your adult years, your peer group gradually becomes more influential to your view of self. Eventually, your spouse and maybe one or two close friends become the largest influencers. What happens when divorce enters your life? Obviously, you lose the affirmation of your spouse. And for many, even your best friends can grow cold and distance, which you probably interpret as another rejection. Thirdly, feedback from our society. This last area of evaluation should not be underestimated. Our society has a large bearing on our self-image. How? By the subtitle influences and hidden messages it sends us constantly about what's important and what is valued in life. Our society affirms us in four major areas. Beauty, brains, brawn, and bucks. We see those values on every TV show every commercial, our schools, our neighborhoods, and unfortunately, even in our churches. As soon as you start to socialize, you quickly learn that if your woman beauty is critical, you're brought up to believe you need to look like a Barbie doll. What a drag. If you're a man, beauty's okay, but you can get away with not being good looking if you're strong. Then you can beat up anyone who makes fun of you. If you're not the school athlete or the cheerleader type, You need to be smart, very smart, in fact, because now you have to go on to be a doctor, a lawyer, or corporate executive in order to be valued. The final category, bucks, is one that becomes more and more important as we get older. That's probably because the older we get, the more we lose the other three. If you have money and lots of it, let's face it, you don't need to be good-looking, strong, or smart. You get instant respect when people find out what you're worth. That even includes how you're treated by the church. If you're like me on a good day, you consider yourself to be average in the first three categories. But when it comes to money, I'm still waiting. The problem is, though, that we face a losing battle because we all know we're gradually losing what we have in the physical areas. And the money problem isn't getting any better. Those temporal measures of self-image are a no-win proposition because 
Even if you're beautiful, strong, smart, or rich, what you eventually find out is that there will always be others who are more beautiful, more st strong, smarter, and richer. So how can our self-image remain stable? It can't be based on our own view because we've seen that the, that fluctuates according to our moods. It can't be based on what others think of us. We've learned the hard way that other people can turn on us, with, which devastates our self-image. And society's values are never-ending cycle of trying to measure up, but never quite making it. How should we view ourselves? Our self-image needs to be based on something constant and unconditional, and that's why it must be based on God and His love toward us. This is so important, yet I, I meet so few people who have a clear understanding of how the truth can revolutionize our self-image. My self-image was devastated when I went through a divorce, but I rebuilt it. I tried to focus on God's love for me and who I was to Him. I knew enough theology to know that as a Christian, I was considered part of God's family. And with him as my father, I could be assured of his constant love and care. That understanding helped me to build a healthier self-image. The Bible states that God delights in his children and that we have obtained his inheritance in Ephesians 1. Think about that. If you hear you've just received an inheritance, how do you react? Think about God delighting in you in the same way. That makes you feel pretty good, doesn't it? You've probably never had anyone f who felt that way about you consistently. But that's what we need if we're going to learn to love ourselves and view ourselves the way God views us. Please note, however, that this knowledge does not solve our problem because it's an abstract concept and we don't have a tangible Christ to hold on to and whisper in our ear when the world begins to beat us down. That's why we need to be reminded every day about who we are in Christ and to work on our self-image. It's like a fish swimming upstream. We need constantly to be swimming against the current. The current is what the world tells us about who we are and what we tend to tell ourselves, what Satan wants us to think. As soon as we stop swimming, we automatically will go with the current. Here are some steps we need to take. Number one, view ourselves as God views us. As outlined earlier, the way God views us is vastly different from the way society views us. In 1 Samuel, God reminds us that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When the men of Israel were looking for their king, they looked for someone who was tall, rugged, and mature. Yet, after looking at all of David's older brothers, God drew Samuel to a small, scrawny kid named David, whom God knew to be of good character. Let's reject the standards of our world and not be consumed with pursuit of beauty, brains, brawn, or bucks. Instead, let's focus on developing godlike character by seeking God's guidance and allowing His love to flow through us. We can become very attractive to others. As children of God, we know our worth to Him and therefore need to begin viewing ourselves as He views us. If we could do that, we would believe we really are unique individuals, 
created in God's image and extremely valuable. Secondly, renew our minds. As we review, as we view ourselves in a more godly way and as we try to develop more Christ-like character, we must also transform our minds, Romans 12.2. We must stop the constant thoughts that invade our minds about how we don't measure up or how we really aren't valuable and must force ourselves to think as God thinks. I suggest memorizing some passages like Psalm 139.14, which tells us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that in Christ we're a new creation. Repeat these thoughts at least a dozen times a day. Every time you look in the mirror, instead of thinking, Ugh, what am I going to do with this? Think, I'm a unique individual created in God's image, and I'm going to make the most of this day. This is not the same as power of positive thinking. It's merely retaining, retraining ourselves to think the way God would want us to think rather than dwelling on the garbage we have picked up from society. Thirdly, associate with healthy people who can help build us up. Let's face it, we all have some friends who build us up and some who don't do a whole lot for us. Some one who feeds into our victim mentality or encourages our feeling down and out is not the type of friend we should be developing. You've heard that misery loves company, and if you're going through a divorce, there's an abundance of people and groups who will f feed your misery. Instead, we need to find some healthy friends, those who have perhaps been through a similar change, but have moved on with their lives in a healthy way. They should have a good self-image, a mature view of God and His healing power, and the ability to reach out to us without expecting anything in return. Mostly that's because we probably can't reciprocate for a while. Eventually, as we begin to heal and develop a better self-image, this friendship can become more of a two-way street, or we can become instruments of healing for others. Fourthly, set some short-term goals that we know we can accomplish in order to experience success. This point is important for those of us who need some real concrete evidence that we're worthwhile just to get us off to a good start. As we work on our self-image, it would be wonderful if we could immediately get a big raise or promotion or had a book published with our names on the cover, but that really rarely happens. Many times, though, good things don't happen to us because we're not taking any chances. We're too timid or insecure, so we play it safe for a while. There's nothing wrong with that. It's certainly natural. But as we seek to move on with our lives, we need to start taking some chances. At first, these need to be small steps and perhaps something we know we can accomplish. Why bother trying something we know we can't do? As we start out, it's vital that we succeed in the beginning because that motivates us to try again. We know we'll fail at something sooner or later, but if we have a string of successes under our belts, the failure is much less likely to set us back significantly. If your goal is to write a book and have, have it published, the way to go about it is to first pick something you know you can do. If you just start sending out manuscripts, I can assure you that you'll experience a lot of rejection. 
You can enroll in night school and take a course in writing. You can also start journaling some of your thoughts and ideas for a while. Once you've succeeded at those goals, perhaps a contact with a small local newspaper or a newsletter publisher would be in order, and you build from there. What if you met with failure? Anywhere along the way, you can back up and try again, or perhaps you want to rethink or fine-tune your goals a bit. Fifthly, pray for God's help and strength. Although this is listed last, it certainly is not least. The process of developing a positive self-image is not easy or natural, and it's best accomplished with God's help. Therefore, part of our thinking must include an attitude of constant prayer to God. Lord, I need your help. I want to move on with my life, and I know I need to work on my self-image. Help me to see myself as you do. Give me the strength and the courage to move out in new directions. Guide my path, Lord, so that I can begin to experience success and see quickly the things I do well. Then help me to do those things to your honor and glory. Protect me from the decisions that would get me back or perhaps even destroy my self-image. I need your help in making wise decisions. Help me to change my thought life, Lord, from one that accepts the world's standards to one that focuses on you, your love, and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. This is Dr. Mark Sistek, and you've been listening to another episode of Broken to Bless.